Hello, and welcome to the Christ Walk Church Podcast. Amen. All right, now, if you've got your Bibles or a smart device, I want to encourage you to uh, turn with me, swipe with me to the book of 1 Kings. That is in the Old Testament. It's the, the first big chunk of Scripture. The Bible's divided up into like these two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament. 1 Kings um, is about a third of the way through that first section. Um, and we're going to land in chapter 17, 1 Kings chapter 17, in just, just a minute. Um, is there anybody in the room that really loves math? Anybody? Raise your hand really high. Keep it up, keep it up, keep it up. All right, everybody, look around. No, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Look around, everyone else. Look around at the people with their hands up. These are the people that cannot be trusted at all whatsoever. They're making terrible life choices. I can remember being in school, um, you know, addition, subtraction, I was cool with multiplication, um, you know, addition, like all, all of that stuff, uh, even, even like fractions and decimals. All right, but then I remember that they introduced this thing called algebra, which brought in letters into the equation. And I'm like, really? Letter? Like numbers were hard enough. And now you want to try to confuse me with these letters? Like, what are you doing? And the teacher just kept saying, just trust me, you'll need to use this someday. Like, you need to learn this because it's going to come in handy someday. And here I am 37 years later, 37 years old, and I realized, you know what? My teacher was right. It has come in handy because now my kids bring home their algebra homework. (laughs) And we're just in this like vicious, perpetual cycle. Now I'm having to help them. But here's the thing. When I help them with their homework, they say, no, Dad, you can't do it that way. (laughs) What do you mean I can't do it that way? I'm getting the right answer, aren't I? Yeah, but we can't do it that way. Avery, literally, I helped Avery with some homework a few weeks back, some math. She came back the next day. She told me, she said, Dad, I've got a problem. I said, what's the problem? She said, well, I got 100 on my math homework. I said, again, what's the problem? Like I'm thinking we're going to have to have some sort of intervention. Like I'm not seeing the issue here. And she said, I got 100. All the answers were correct that you helped me with. But my teacher said, I can't do it this way. Really? Like math is hard enough as it is. But I'm getting the correct answer, and you're still telling me I can't do it that way. Come on, like like the way that I learned isn't the right way anymore. But I do know this, and this hasn't changed. I do remember when I was introduced and asked to please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. You guys know what I'm talking about? Please, like that hasn't changed. Like that's still, that's still, and for those of you that are a little slow, like you're like, what is this guy talking about? I don't know. Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. I remember when, when algebra came into the, into, the, uh, into the equation and everything, and no pun intended, and, and we were having to do that for school. Um, and my, my teacher said, I'm going to show you a shortcut. I'm going to give you this mnemonic device. It's a thing to help you get things in the right order. This is going to ensure that you get things, that you, you arrive to the correct answer, because if you 
you do things in the proper way and you put things in the proper order, then it's going to turn out okay. And so they introduced me to this thing called PEMDAS, or Please Excuse My Dear Aunt Sally. It stands for parentheses, exponent, multiplication, division, addition, subtraction. So anytime you have an algebraic equation, you focus on that that is the, the order in which you go about doing things. And if you do things in that order, then you are much more apt to arrive at the correct answer, to finding the solution and, and to putting yourself in a position for success. And so I can remember taking tests as a kid and I knew that, that as long as I remembered to please excuse my dear Aunt Sally, that then I would be able to pass the test. How many of you know if we can get things in the right order, we'll be able to pass the test? You know what I'm saying? Anybody tracking with me this morning? If we'll get things in the right order, we'll put them in the right place, we will be able to pass the test. So for the next few moments this morning, I'd like to talk to you about um, a message that I'm calling, but first, but first, and that's B-U-T. That's just one T. <laughs> for those of you that had any question, you're taking notes. I don't want you to go back like weeks or months from now when you've forgotten and be like, what was he talking about? <laughs> but first, 1 Kings chapter 17, starting with verse 8. Let's go there together. Then the Lord spoke his word to Elijah. Go to Zarephath in Sidon and live there. I have commanded a widow there to take care of you. So Elijah went to Zarephath and when he reached the town gate, he saw a widow gathering wood for a fire. Elijah asked her, would you bring me a little water in a cup so that I may have a drink? Verse 11, as she was going to get his water, Elijah said, please bring me a piece of bread too. The woman answered, as surely as the Lord your God lives, I have no bread. I have only a handful of flour in a jar and only a little olive oil in a jug. I came here to gather some wood so I could go home and cook our last meal. My son and I will eat it and then die from hunger. Verse 13, don't worry, Elijah said to her, go home and cook your food as you have said. But first, say it with me, but first make a small loaf of bread from the flour you have and bring it to me. Then cook something for yourself and your son. The Lord, the God of Israel says that jar of flour will never be empty and the jug will always have oil in it until the day the Lord sends rain to the land. So the woman went home and did what Elijah told her to do. And the woman and her son and Elijah had enough food every day. The jar of flour and the jug of oil were never empty, just as the Lord through Elijah had promised. Now, here's what's going on at the beginning of this passage. Before we get to verse 8, we, we come up across Elijah um, in, in chapter 17 of 1 Kings, and he is actually, he has been sent 
um, to the Lord to careth. And their um, ravens are actually taking care of him. They are bringing him, him food, um, and he is getting water from a nearby stream. But there's a drought in the middle of the land, and, and the stream dries up. And so the Lord commands him. He says, you need to get up and go from here, and you need to go to this place called Zarephath in Sidon. And I've tapped a, a, a widow woman on the shoulder there already. I've, I've whispered in her ear, and, and, and she is there in, in the midst of this situation to be able to take care of the need that you have to provide you with the food that you are going to need to continue to to lead the people of of Israel and to be my messenger to those people. Now, it's important for us to know that the word Zarephath, the name Zarephath, it literally means place of testing, place of testing. Anybody ever been in a place of testing before? Our church right now, we are in a place of testing as we transition into two services and, and some of the, the things that we are dealing with, that we are walking through, our, our community, uh, the, the things that are surrounding us in a community, some of the issues that we've talked about previously with this Embrace Grace ministry, some of the things that are going on in our country politically and, and spiritually and, and religiously and all of these things, we find ourselves currently in a place of Testing, And it's interesting that this particular place of testing was, was in the region of Sidon. And for those of you that may be unfamiliar, Sidon was, was the, the hometown of Jezebel. She was married to King Ahab, and they were two of the most wicked rulers that the nation of Israel had ever um, had, ever had over them. And, and, and uh, 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 Sidon was actually a center for the worship of Baal, the, the false god Baal. And so uh, Elijah finds himself in this situation where, where the, the land is experiencing a, a time of drought and famine, and, and he's in need of food and water. And so it's interesting to me that, that in order to meet Elijah's need, that God says, get up and go to a place of testing right smack dab in the middle of a bunch of people that don't even believe in me. They're worshiping a false god. And then beyond that, he says, I'm going to send you to a, a, a widow woman. I've appointed this widow woman to take care of you. And, and, and there would have been a difficulty for a widow in this place and time because her husband obviously has, has died. And, and so he would have been the one responsible for bringing home the bacon, so to speak, to, to provide for her and her household. And so he's, he's passed away and he's gone. And so there she is. And she's just trying to, to make ends meet. She's doing the best that she can. And so when Elijah comes up on her, she is gathering some sticks to take home and to cook her very last meal. Elijah has this, this significant need that, the, uh, to be met and, and God sends him to a place of testing to in the middle of a people that, that don't believe in God and he sends him to one of the most under-resourced people in that region. Not only did she not have any leftovers of bread that she had baked for that day, she didn't even have enough to begin with. She says, no, I'm going home. When he asks her for something to eat, no, I'm going home to just bake my last loaf of bread. My son and I are going to eat it, and then we're going to lay down and die. She was hopeless. She had given up. She saw no way out of her situation. She had come to the end of her road. She didn't have any leftovers. She also didn't have enough to begin with, and no Point, no part of this made sense 
at all whatsoever. When you, when you read the, the fullness and, and, and you get all the background of this story, there's not one part of it that makes sense for this to be the place or the person or the position for Elijah to go to have his need met. See, it's in the midst of a test when things feel uncertain that often our tendency becomes we want to close off. We want to pull back. We want to begin to, to, to shrink in and to hold tightly to the resources that we have. Because it's in the midst of, of tests and adversity and struggles like this, like the one that Elijah is facing, like the one that this widow is facing. It's, it's in the midst of these that we want to do everything that we can to just maintain some modicum of control. But when we choose to let go of the resources that we have, like we talked about last week, letting go of our jars. It's a very similar story to that that we see in 2 Kings chapter 4 with Elisha and the widow there. But when we let go of our resources in situations like this, what we're actually doing is saying, I'm not in control. God, you are. And it's important whenever we find ourselves in the middle of a Zarephath, in the middle of a testing place, that we don't need to be in control because we can't figure it out. It's like us looking at a, a, a long algebraic equation and we're sitting there scratching our head, but God already has the answer. He said, I've already put the answer for it. If you would just let go of the things that you're trying to hold on to, I would show you the way that I've already made in the midst of this testing place. See, here's what, I, here's what I see in this passage and how it applies to you and me today. It's a very simple thing, but if we aren't careful, I think we can just rush past it. We can overlook it. We can, we can get so hyped up about the miracle that takes place. We, we fail to really dig down and, and look at the root of what is going on here, and it's simply this. A life that is lived in pursuit of Jesus Christ. Write this down if you're taking notes. A life that is lived in pursuit of Jesus Christ is marked by generosity. A life that is lived in pursuit of Jesus Christ is marked by generosity. Generosity means liberal in giving or sharing. Unselfish, large, abundant, ample. In short, we give because God gave to us. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God gave. We give because God gave to us his most precious gift, his one and only son Jesus was given to us. 1 John 4, 19 says, we love because God first loved us. We live this way as a response to what Jesus has already done for us. This is the order of what it means to follow Jesus Christ, that because of what God has done, then we first do this in response. To love is to serve, and to serve is to give. Loving is giving. That's why when God showed his great love toward us, he gave his son to die in our place. 
Loving is giving. This is, at its very core, what generosity is all about. But here's the problem. The problem is that we don't think the things that we have to offer are of any value. The problem is that, that we, we feel like we have so little that we can't afford to be generous. The widow in this story, notice when Elijah said, will, will you go home and will you do this for me? And she says, sir, I only have just a little flour. And I only have just a little oil. Sometimes when we face adversity, sometimes when we find our place in, in uh, our, our, our lives in a place of testing, we want to look at the lack. We only have this. In other words, what we're saying is God hasn't provided what I need. We only have this, and the thing that I have is of no value. It is of no use. Sir, I only have a little flour. I only have a little oil. I only have enough to make just one last meal for me and my son, and then we're going to die. Only, only, only. But the widow offered all that she had in its lack and in its inferiority. And to her, it was worth very little, almost nothing. But to God and to Elijah, in turn, it was everything. And that's what made the difference. That's what made the difference. Because she was obedient and because she was willing to offer everything that she had, the end result was provision to all involved, which brought forth life. Notice at the end of the passage, it wasn't just the prophet that was taken care of, but it was also her and her son, all three of them. And the word of the Lord came true because she stepped out and she acted in obedience with the little bitty bit that she had, with only the amount that she had. God then responded by bringing an abundance so that it never ran out. And so when you and I find ourselves in the midst of a testing place, our response should always be to step out, to lean in, and to become more generous. Rather than trying to hold on to everything that we have, we've got to let go and give it to God. We've got to act in obedience and put our trust in him. And so I think there's, there's four main areas in which we can be generous. Four main areas. There may be others, but these are, these are relatively all-encompassing, I hope. Four main areas that I see that we need to be generous in. The first one of those is our time. We need to be generous with our time. Our devotional lives, our prayer, our Bible reading, church attendance, small group attendance, these things should be abundant. I know we've got busy schedules. I know there's a lot going on. I know we've got work and, and homework and we gotta pack lunches and we gotta, get, we gotta get Susie to violin and Jimmy to soccer and all this stuff and everything. But we, in the midst of all of that, we still have to be generous with our time and saying, God, I, I, I may just have a little bit, but, but I'm gonna give it to you. And I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you first 
with my time. I'm going to be but first with my time and the way in, in, in which I live and, and my, my schedule. And, and you are going to come first at the beginning of every day or at some point, whenever that best, that best time for you is. I'm going to spend time with you. I'm going to read your word. I'm going to spend time communicating with you in prayer. I'm going to make, make church attendance at the beginning of the week, every week. I'm going to make that a priority. I'm not going to miss out on going to my small group because I'm going to make time. I'm going to take the time for those things because I know, God, that when I'm generous towards you with my time, then that's when you can bring about a blessing in my life. So the first area is our time. The second area is our talent. This is where we use our our skills and, and, and our giftings to honor God and to serve other people. We need to be generous with our talent. It means we need to, to find, find the place, the area in which we can serve others that, that matches up with the skill set that God has given us. We've got a number of serving teams, a number of serving opportunities here at the church. There's, there's other ways that, that you can get involved in, in serving in the community and, and we'll connect those with your passions and the things that you're good at and, and what, what you like to do. But a lot of people say, I'm not, I'm not really, really good at anything. I don't really like, no, what do you, what do you have? Like, what are you passionate about? Like, like we can use that. God can use that if you'll just step out with the little bit that you have and you'll, you'll be butt first in that area. Get on a serving team. Find a ministry like Embrace Grace that you're passionate about and launch it to extend hope and the love of Jesus Christ to the community. Like like be a part of of, of the ministry of this church and what's going on and and how how God is using us to reach other people. Don't just come in here and sit in the pew, sit in the seat, take up your space for the Sunday service and then check off the box. It's not what it's about. It's not about keeping the things. Well, I don't know, man. I don't know if I could make much of an impact with what, I've got. Try. I don't know if, you know, I don't know. I, I'd, I'd kind of like to kind of like to preach sometime, but I can't preach as good as Pastor Blake. Guess what? There was a time when I couldn't preach as good as Pastor Blake. It's true. Like my first message, it was awful. Some of you are like, this was pretty bad too. Like, we don't know. We don't really see a lot of improvement. I'd love to get up on stage and sing, but I can't sing as good as whoever. Well, there was a time that whoever couldn't sing as good as they can or play guitar as good as they can. But it takes you stepping out first and doing something with what little bit you have. And God will honor that. God will bless that. If we're generous with it, our time and our talent, the third thing is our treasure. Uh Uh-oh, I went there. I said it. This is tithing. This is supporting the mission and vision of the church financially. This is practicing good stewardship in your homes. This is giving financially. God doesn't want your wallet. He wants your heart. And your heart is is directly connected to your checkbook, to your bank account. It is. So God's not after your money. He doesn't need your money. He just wants you. He wants all of you. And when you surrender that unto him, when you're generous in that area, it opens up a door for God to bring about blessing in your life. Time, talent, treasure, the last one, testimony. Testimony. This is just telling other people 
what God has done in your life. And some of you may say, you know, God really hasn't been doing a lot in my life. And I can tell you why, if that's the case. It's because you haven't been being generous with your time and your talent and your treasure. That's why you don't have a testimony. If you will be generous in those areas, God's going to give you a story. And at the end of the day, if God does nothing more for you than send his one and only son to die in your place, guess what? You've got a testimony. He doesn't owe us anything other than that. He doesn't even owe us that. But that's what he gave us. And that is, for those of us that have placed our hope and our trust in Jesus Christ, that is our story. I once was lost, but now I am found. And I can show you the way too. That is your testimony. And as we begin to be more generous with our time and our talent and our treasure and our testimony, that's what will create an opening for God to move and to do a work in and through our life and in and through the lives of those around us. And we find ourselves in the midst, smack dab in the middle of a culture and a society that has turned their back on God to pursue the world. But if we will get things in the proper order, and we will pursue God first with our lives. Not only is he going to meet our needs, but he's going to use us to meet the needs of those around us as well. I'll agree, you probably don't have a very flexible schedule. You may not be the most gifted in any one particular area. You, you may not have the most resources at your fingertips, you may not think your story is even worth telling, but if we will prioritize the Lord and how he is wanting to use us to make an impact in the world around us, he can take the little bit that we have and do more with it than we could ever ask or think. Our responsibility is simply obedience. God's responsibility is simply the outcome. And if you, would try to, if you would quit trying to make something happen and say, well, I can't do that because it's only going to end up like this. If you would quit trying to, to calculate and figure out what was going to happen, if you did it, just, just start doing it. Your responsibility is just to do it. Let God figure it out on the other end. Let God be the one that determines the outcome. You just be faithful and obedient with what he's already given you. I know a lot of people say, like, I, I, I'm really not in a position to be generous. Let me just tell you, that, that's a lie from the enemy. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. You don't, have to, you don't have to be retired and have all kinds of time on your hands to be generous. You don't have to be the most gifted, like a like professional athlete level, in order to be generous. God uses small things, the overlooked things, the insignificant things to do a mighty work. He has from the very beginning. Think about it. Faith, the size of a mustard seed, moves mountains. The widow's might, or her two coins, she gave more than anyone else because she gave all she had. A little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fish was enough to feed a multitude of people and have 12 basketfuls left over. A little boy with a slingshot killed a mighty giant that an entire army was scared to face. A baby in a manger. 
change the course of history. And it's people forever. When we go all in with whatever we have to offer, no matter how small, that's when God shows up in the midst of this situation in our place of testing and moves on our behalf. God's people are but first people. Christ Walk Church is a but first church. That's who we are. That's how we're going to be. It's just a matter of priority. What are we putting first? You know what? We may have a busy week ahead. But first, we're going to go to church. We may not feel like we're making much of an impact in the lives of other people. But first, we're going to serve. We may think that that we've got way too many bills to pay, but first, we're going to return God's tithe. We're going to return it. The reason we return it instead of give it is because you can't give something that doesn't belong to you in the first place. You can only return it. You can only only take it back. You may think, got way more bills than I got money, but first, we're going to give of worship unto the Lord. We may have a whole lot of stuff to fuss and complain about, but first... We're going to tell about what the Lord has done and is doing on our behalf. God is able to take that which is small, only a little bit of oil, only a little bit of flour. God is able to take that which is small and use it for maximum impact if it is simply offered up to him in faithful obedience. So here's our prayer today. I want to encourage each of you to pray. So maybe just raise your hands to heaven right now. Let's pray this simple prayer together. I'm going to pray it. You pray along with me. God, here's the little bit that I have. I'm giving it to you. Take it and do with it as you see fit. Amen. It's as simple as that. God, here's the little bit that I have. Here's the little bit of time that I have. Here's the little bit of talent that you've given me. Here's the little bit of treasure that you have entrusted me with. Here's the little bit of testimony of what you've done in my life. Lord, I offer it to you in humble and faithful obedience. Do with it. Thank you for joining us today. At Christ Walk Church, we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. For more information about Christ Walk, please visit us at thechristwalk.com.